We meet today in Colossians chapter 1, verse 20 to verse 23. We are still talking about Christ, the fullness of God. In Christ we are all made full. The specific subject we are looking at today is the objective work of Christ for sinners. Thus, in this section, I want you to know that we are going to see the things that Christ has already done for us. God has reconciled us to himself. I also want you to notice that peace with God is made through the blood of his cross. The substitutionary nature of this reconciliation, also known as atonement, is seen in verses 21 and 22 from being alienated and enemies in mind. And this happens because of the works of wickedness. You see, the child of God or the Christian has moved in Christ to being reconciled, holy, blameless, above reproach in the sight of Christ. Christ, on the other hand, went from being the spotless lamp of God to being sin on our behalf. That is what Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 talks about. Now, any theology that denies the substitutionary atonement of Christ or neglects the saving power of his sacrifice and the necessity of his shed blood, no matter how impressive otherwise, is a false theology with no power to save. There may be black theology. There may be liberation theology. There may be African theology. There may be Eastern theology. Whatever it may be, denying the substitutionary atonement of Christ means that it has no hope for the salvation of people. The cross of Christ is a constant reminder, my friend, of proud many kinds inability to generate its own salvation. Many kind is unable to save itself. And the substitutionary atonement is not one theory among many. No, no, no. It is an eternal fact reflected in many scriptural metaphors, not just one theory among many. This is what the whole Bible talks about. God has moved history from the beginning of creation and from the fall of man. He has been moving history with one motif running through, showing the need for a savior, also presenting many other ways of salvation and how those ways failed so that the exclusive need of Christ as the Savior would clearly be laid before mankind. And this was done when Jesus Christ was born and he died on the cross with his hands stretched up out. And we, when he was there on the cross, he was reconciling men to God and men to one another only through the cross of Christ. Through the cross of Christ, it is the same cross today, my friend, that divides the human race into two. If you remember when Jesus Christ was hanging on that cross, there were two thieves on either side. 
one of them believed and the other one did not believe. One of them ended up in paradise with Jesus the next day. The other one was throwing curses on Jesus Christ. And indeed today, the cross has divided the human race into two, the saints and the ains, the saved and the unsaved, those in darkness and those in the light. Or if you like, those who have a relationship with God and those who do not have a relationship with God. It was all accomplished through the cross of Jesus Christ. That is why today the subjective work of Christ for sinners is important and worthy considering before us today. Colossians 1 verse 20 says, And by him... To reconcile all things to himself, by him, whether things on earth or things in heaven, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Now, having made peace through the blood of his cross is an important statement here. It means that by his paying the penalty on the cross for your sin and for my sin, peace has been made between God and the sinner. God has not approached men today and say to men, look here, fellow, I'm against you. You have been rebelling against me. You are a sinner and I'm forced to punish you for that. That is not what God is doing. God is saying something entirely different to the lost men today. He says, I have already borne the punishment for you. I have already paid the penalty for your sins. I want you to know that you can now come to me. Peace has already been made in Christ Jesus. If you will just turn and come to me. In other words, his only message is the invitation. Come to me. Your salvation is secured. Your penalty has been paid. I am not angry with you anymore. And thus the grand invitation is open. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me, for I am humble and gentle, and you will find rest for your souls. Now, this is what Paul meant when he wrote, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 5 verse 1. Because of our justification, we have peace with God. We have peace with God. Not only are we to stand looking to God as if he wants to punish us, the payment has been settled. God is not angry with us anymore. Peace has been made through the blood of his cross. Now Paul puts forgiveness of sins right along with the blood of the cross. You see, God can forgive because the penalty has already been paid. Jesus paid that penalty, my friend. And how did he do it? Through the blood of his cross. Therefore, a righteous God can forgive you. God is not a disagreeable neighbor who is waiting around the corner to pounce on the sinner and find fault with him. That's not what God is doing. Oh, know this today, my friend. God has his arms outstretched and he is saying, Come and I'll give you redemption rest. The other phrase in verse 20 is that, By him, 
to reconcile all things to himself. Now reconciliation is toward men. Redemption is toward God. God is saying to all men today, I am already reconciled to you. Now will you be reconciled to me? That is the decision a man must make today. And Paul explains this very clearly in his letter to the Corinthians. Actually reading from 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 18 to verse 20, we read these words. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Now, many people have the idea that a man must be doing something to win God over to himself. My friend, God is the one who is trying to win you over. The shoe is on the other foot. God is already reconciled. He is asking man to be reconciled to him. Also, we want to take note of the word that says, reconcile all things. Now, some people take this statement and get the foolish notion that everybody is going to be saved. I don't think this is what the scripture is saying. To understand this, we need to pay a little attention to the grammar that is here. What are the all things? We will see that it is limited to all things that are to be reconciled, those things which are appointed for reconciliation. Maybe it would help us if we look at Philippians chapter 3 verse 8, where Paul says, Yet indeed I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Now what are the all things here? Does Paul include everything in the whole world? I don't think so. Rather, it refers to all the things that Paul had to lose. In Philippians 3 verse 8, Paul used the same expression that we are seeing here. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord. You will notice that Paul limits the all things that are appointed to reconciliation. He doesn't mention things under the earth. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 22 it says, And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. What are the all things that are going to be put under Christ's feet? Well, in Philippians, Paul wrote that at the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow of those in heaven and of those on the earth. And of those under the earth, Philippians 2 verse 10, notice that all things are going to acknowledge the Lordship of Jesus Christ. All things in heaven, in earth and under the earth. Now that doesn't mean that they are all reconciled. 
So Paul makes no mention of things under the earth being reconciled except that all things will bow down. So my friend, don't listen to the deception, the serene song that all is going to work out well. Don't think you can depend on God being nice and sweet and pleasant like a little old lady. Things in heaven and in the earth are reconciled to God, but not the things under the earth. Now, the things under the earth will have to bow to him, but they are not reconciled to him. This is the place and this is the life in which we need to be reconciled to God. Thus, when Paul writes here saying, reconciling all things to God, he is referring to those things that can be reconciled. Things in heaven. Not only must we be made ready for heaven, but heaven must be made ready to receive us. The Lord Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. John 14 verse 2. By the incarnation, by becoming flesh, God came down to man. By the blood of Jesus Christ, man is brought up to God. This blood also purifies things in heaven, according to Hebrews 9, 23 to 24. So heaven must also be reconciled. Colossians 1 verse 21 says, And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind, by wicked ways, yet now he has reconciled. You see, reconciliation is the act whereby God, through Christ's atonement, brings men who are at odds with him back into a peaceful, proper relationship with himself. God did not wait until we promised to scrub our faces, put on our Sunday clothes and go to Sunday school before he agreed to do this work of reconciliation. It was while you and I were in rebellion against God, while we were doing wicked things, while we were enemies of God, while we were weak, while we were still sinners, that he reconciled us to himself. No man can say, I am lost because God has not made adequate provision for me. A man is lost because he wants to be lost, because he is in rebellion against God. God has made enough provision. All you need to do, my friend, even as you hear God's word as we study today, is to give your life to Jesus Christ. Be reconciled to God. Another statement in verse 21 is, Who once were alienated and enemies in your mind? You see, this statement reminds us that there is a mental alienation from God as well as a moral alienation. If you were to read the reasoning that happened when men departed from God, according to Romans chapter 1, it was when they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Many people think that men are lost because they have committed some terrible sin. No, my friend, the reason why people are lost is that their minds are alienated from God. And I think this explains the fierce antagonism toward God on the part of the so-called intellectuals of our day. There is an open hatred and hostility towards God in the name of learning. That is nothing new, my friend. This statement say you were once alienated and enemies in your mind. 
Many people are simply enemies of God in their mind, but not in reality. In real life, you know that he gives you rain, he gives you air to breathe, he sustains your life, but you decide in your mind. No wonder God used this word to describe a fool. He says, a fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Psalm 14 verse 1. Colossians 1 verse 22 says, in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Now, the body of his flesh here is an explicit declaration that Christ suffered, not just in appearance, but he suffered in a real body. The Colossian heretics may have argued that Jesus' humanity and death indicate his inferiority to the angelic beings in the universe. Paul turns this argument against them, showing that his death actually points to his superiority, for his death is the divine means of achieving reconciliation to God. And why did he suffer in the body? To present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. Blameless means without blemish. That was the requirement of the sacrificial animal in the Old Testament. And by the way, this expresses the ultimate purpose of reconciliation. It is to eventually usher the believer, made perfectly holy, into the presence of the Heavenly Father. You and I cannot present perfection to God, and God cannot accept anything short of perfection or blamelessness. And this is the reason we cannot be saved by our own works or by our own character. Someone has to do it. And indeed, it is wonderful to know that our Heavenly Father who loved us so much, He did for us, His children, what we could not do for ourselves. He paid the price by giving us His Son, Jesus Christ, who suffered in His body in order for us to be presented holy, blameless, and above reproach. We simply cannot meet the demands of a righteous God, but he is able to present us blameless. Why? Because he took our place. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 tells us, For he made him who knew no sin to be seen for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. The word above reproach means unaccusable or unchargeable. God is the one who justifies us. If God declares us to be justified, who can bring any kind of a charge against us? He is the one who has cleared us of all guilt. Oh, what a wonderful news. Colossians 1 verse 23. If indeed you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, and are not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you had, which was preached to every creature under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Now, we have this verse beginning with the word if. This is not a conditional clause that is based on the future. The if that Paul uses here is the if of argument. It does not mean that something shall be 
if something else is true. Rather, it means that something was if something else is true. So we could say, since you continue in the faith, grounded and steadfast, instead of using that word, if, you can replace it with since. Paul's point is that we have been reconciled. It is an accomplished fact. So if you are a child of God today, you will continue in the settled faith, grounded and settled. You will not be moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, my friend. Also notice that this verse is not teaching that loss of salvation is possible. No, no. That Greek first class conditional sentence, if or since, plus the indicative mood, expresses Paul's certainty that they will in fact continue. He has reconciled you since indeed you continue in the faith. Paul's purpose here is to lead his Colossian readers to appreciate their reconciliation, not to doubt it. Every true believer in Christ will endure to the end. And John 10 verse 28 and 29, Philippians 1 verse 6, they talk about the fact that the child of God will endure to the end. Then Paul says, of which I, Paul, became a minister. Oh, my friend, Paul loved to look back and rest in this glorious privilege of being a minister of Jesus Christ. I consider that the greatest honor that can come to any person. I am honored, I am privileged to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I personally thank God every day for the privilege that he has given me of declaring his word. There is nothing more honorable like being a spokesperson for the sovereign Lord. He can do the same for you, not necessarily as a full-time Christian worker, but wherever you are, you can be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But to begin with, you must accept the objective work that Christ has done for you. He has reconciled himself to you. Are you reconciled, my friend? You can have copies of the notes and outlines used for these Living Word for Africa programs so you can follow them as you listen. For your copies, please send a WhatsApp message or SMS to plus two seven seven two six four one four four seven five. Please say which book of the Bible you want them for and be sure to include your name and contact information. I'll repeat that number for you. It's country code two seven followed by 7264144475 from within south africa it's 0726414475